Hello. Welcome to the Break the Mold podcast, episode 11. My name is Tim Roberts, author of Break the Mold, coach and inspirational speaker. Really excited about this episode. I know I say that every time. I know I do. Just a sheer mention of my guest's name gets me dead excited because she's just ace, basically. She's really honest, really, really authentic, and has been a massive help to me, despite us never actually meeting in person. You know, she's one of these great people that I admired from afar at first and was inspired by her soon as I heard anything about her as soon as I saw her on social media, as soon as other people told me about her, as soon as I listened to her on the podcast. Absolutely inspired. And it's also somebody who's absolutely brilliant because she allows me to quote her uh, and uh, that comes with a legal obligation that I always have to use the prefix of my mate. So for this episode, the interview is my mate, Kirsty Mack. She's quoted in the book in volume one about how she talks about rightly how people don't need a good talking to, they need a good listening to. And that's exactly what I hope you're going to do in terms of giving Kirsty a good listening to during this interview because she will inspire you, she will wow you, she will make you laugh, she will really, really make you think. So uh, Kirsty's a coach. Kirsty delivers and designs leadership programs with one key goal, and that's to get people having the right conversations with the right people in the right way. So I really, really hope this is a bit that one of the episodes I maybe feel a bit nervous about because I want to make sure that I do Kirsty justice and that the conversation I've had with her is with the right person and in the right way and that it really helps you uh, as a listener to it. Um, Kirsty's probably one of the very, very few people that as part of this introduction to her, I will actually read out a little bit of what she sent to me when I asked, you know, might you do on a podcast you want? It's funny, really, because I'm, I'm sure you all know this and see through it. Yeah, every podcast, when there's a guest on it, they've already sent the bio or the little introduction and all those ex, uh, bits and bits and pieces. And uh, I've asked everybody to do that, and I'm, and I'm summarising, paraphrasing some of the bits they sent. But like I say, what I will do is read out some of the bits that Kirsty sent to me. So when I asked Kirsty to me about a bio, a big part of that was Kirsty said, Kirsty Mack is a sister, daughter, girlfriend, and coach. Now, the reason I'm reading it out verbatim is because isn't that brilliant? She starts with sister, daughter, girlfriend, and her job actually comes last. And I think for me, that sums Kirsty up in that her approach is very much life comes first. And actually for her, what she's really demonstrating there is that the most important roles to her are being a sister, a daughter, and a girlfriend, and then a coach. You know, and that's their the roles, let's be honest, that we will be remembered for. Hey, Kirsty's been uh, a coach and running her own organisation, her own company, in uh, many different guises, as she says, for the last 18 years, and she's here to give people a good listening to. Um, so from Kirsty's interview, what I really want you to listen out for, watch out for, is her candidness and honesty when talking about authenticity and what it means to her. So not only does she talk about it and therefore authenticity clearly drives that openness she's really really honest about what it means to her and and a little bit around what she's learned about that and how maybe she's learned from experience and also the experience of others to really be clear on exactly what that authenticity means to her and how she would like you to think about that to help yourselves um kirsty shares a brilliant articulation about how to work from your identity so do listen out for the words that she uses so i think that's a really easy thing for us to remember in terms of we have to work from our identity 
Kirsty's really passionate about this and talks about this brilliantly in the interview, reminding us how unique you are and how bloody lucky you are to be alive. I really hope that's something that you take from this interview around all of the amazing stuff that Kirsty shares with you, some tangible activities, things for you to do, things for you to think about. I hope by the end of this interview, by the end of this entire podcast episode, you feel lucky to be alive and you remember how unique you are from listening to Kirsty and the messages that she shares around that and her honesty in that. There's no bullshit in that. This isn't somebody who's trying to be you know, this inspirational speaker and look at me and I'll tell you as it is and I'll show you how you can feel lucky to be alive. No, what she's saying is you just need to remind yourself how lucky you are to be alive and then do the things that make you happy. So I think it's a really simple advice and simple demonstration from Kirsty in terms of how, the, how important that is and how you can all do it. Uh, Listen out for Kirsty's episodes. I'm laughing now because I'm just remembering some of this, but Kirsty's episode goes down routes I definitely didn't expect it to. And that adds to the value of the conversation and shows for me Kirsty's sheer brilliance. So in this we talk about biscuits, horses, and changing your name by default. Now you probably didn't expect that from a podcast. You know, if that's to me is what an authentic conversation should be like, you know, where like, who gives a shit where it takes us in terms of the conversation? As long as it builds trust, it gives us the chance to show our true selves. And look, if you think about the conversations you have with the people that you trust the most, your soulmates, your best mates, your partners, husbands, wives, sisters, brothers, parents, etc., where you know you can start by talking about biscuits, then you move on to horses, and then all of a sudden you talk about changing your name by depot. You know, that that's an authentic conversation right there. There's no hidden agenda. We're allowed people to take it other ways by sharing their stories. And then we'll allow it to evolve and build trust whilst we're doing it. So I really hope this conversation is a demonstration of that. And for you to take a step back and think, yeah, how often are you doing that? How are you doing that enough? Are you giving yourself the chance in your conversations at work to allow those conversations to go wherever they need to go? Or are we just simply, here's the agenda. Here's what we've got to agree. Here's what you've got to do next. Those parts of it are important. Are you also giving yourself time to just talk about whatever mad shit comes into your head at that moment? Because that's a great way of building trust. And Kirsty, for me, you know, she works all over the world with executive leaders, with really well-known organisations. She will always come back to allow the conversation to be what it needs to be. Be authentic in your conversations. One of the lovely things that Kirsty shares with you is the importance of not caring. Only care about the things that are important to you and stop worrying about what others think of you. Now, she shares her own personal example of this, where we went into uh, sitting in the darkness in the cinema. Uh, and so she shares that while she feels strongly about that, she still has to work on that. So, you know, this is somebody who helps senior leaders to focus on what's really, really important. And what Kirsty's sharing is there's still some work for her to do on it. You know, she recognises it as human beings. We still have that moment where we care about the things that are not actually important. So I love the way she articulates it about it's important to not care, to stop caring about the things that are not important and really, really focus on the things that are important to you. Uh, finally, something I feel very lucky to have had Kirsty talk about is the energy that you bring into the room and how this determines your impact on you and others and how it builds your presence and relationships. And, you know, maybe, again, isn't a word that we use enough of here about maybe just thinking about, say, what's the energy you're taking into conversations you're having with other people? 
are you paying attention to them are you engaging with them at the start and really think about that energy you're taking into it and then take that back to how that determines the impact you have on others and how it really contributes to your presence and the relationships you build so pay particular attention to that and consider what you'll do to make your energy right for you once you finish listening to this podcast so there's a little bit of starting where we'll finish here because i want you to just when, when the cool uh, 10 seconds of music plays between me shutting up and the interview with Kirsty starts. Just think a little bit about there of when this podcast finished, whatever that is, maybe you're going to go to sleep after it, so maybe it's about tomorrow. Maybe you're going to go into work, maybe listen to this on your lunch or walking the dog or uh, doing your exercise, whatever it might be. Already start to think about when you finish this podcast, what will you do to make your energy right for you? And have that in mind as you listen to the wonderful, the brilliant, the hilarious Kirsty Mack and I will see you back here to get you to think about what you're going to do as a result of listening to this podcast. Enjoy the interview and I'll see you back here after Kirsty Mack. Kirsty Mack. Welcome to the Break the Mould podcast. So this is the bit where we pretend we haven't just been talking about biscuits in hotel rooms and you know we've only just started talking. So how are you, my mate? I am so super I'm super well. I am super well. I'm delighted that I'm here. So really, genuine thanks for asking. It's really delightful when people ask you to do this and especially people like your good self. Because you know, like I've read your book and stuff, and so I just I just want to hear all all your chat. I feel like I feel like people are thinking like I've paid you to do this now, but I, I am very mm-hmm. honoured that you're here because and I called you my mate because of course that is legally binding, isn't it? As we've agreed before that I, I've said on stage my mate Kirsty Mark, so it's now legally binding that that's your official title. Apparently so. That is so grand. <laughs> I've already changed my name by my name by default, and I could I could do it again because it's only thirty quid plus VAT. It's such a bargain. <laughs> yeah, oh, don't I'm, tell me that. I, I'm going to have to remove that thought because now all I'm going to do is think about I could I, now I, I, it's going to cost me thirty quid plus fat to change my name to Steve McQueen. Yeah, I've but the thing is as well, you have as many, sorry, just excuse all listeners for a small digression on this strategic <laughs> podcast. You can have free middle names. You oh, can have no. as many middle names as you want, my friend. And so here's the thing. I, I did it and I was like, Step away from the computer, Kirsty. I was going to change my name to Kirsty Mac, but I also gave myself three middle names because I've never had a middle name, and that was a bone of contention with myself and my parents, which I'm still not over. So my actual full name for thirty quid plus fat is Kirsty Joy Grace Hope Mac. Brilliant, and I love how you prefixed that with for thirty quid plus fat. My my full name is. Yeah, that's what it says in my passport for thirty quid plus fat, Kirsty Joy Grace. <laughs> So now everybody listening to this is is now Googling on the phone how to change the name. Well, it's all about authenticity. And I suppose, actually, if you get to choose your own name, then I guess there's nothing more authentic than that, is there? So So that's, I think, probably the best start to one of these episodes so far, Kirsty. So (laughs) let me ask you the question that kicks off every podcast. Uh, What does being your true, authentic self mean to you? Over and above choosing your name by Deepol, um, I think it's been unashamedly yourself. And, and and kind of going past that sort of, it's been brave enough to be shit scared enough to be who you are. And, and 
sometimes that can be terrifying. But I think, yeah, it's been unashamedly yourself. And and I think it's that whole um, working from an identity rather than for an identity. You know, yeah. we work in the corporate world and I know you've got like, you do mention a couple of bit of corporate BS in your book and stuff. But, you know, there's a lot of um, working for an identity. You know, uh, I'm a zone five. That's fantastic. It means nothing to me. Um, or like I'm a, a chief you know, or, you know, I'm a grand fromage. And, you know, it's it's kind of, um, yeah, we're working for this badge. I did that at school. I, I loved a badge. I loved a badge. I was like, you know, my blazer was so heavy with badges. It was redunculous. I was like, school captain, house prefect, leader of this. Um, and, and it's really interesting because it then, I think it caused this sort of sequential nature of how I did yeah. things. It's like I do this and then I this and then I this and then I this. Um, and actually, I think I'm no longer chasing a badge and I'm no longer, I, I, I you know, I'm hesitant to say that because there are times when my ego goes, yeah, but wouldn't it be great to have the badge? Wouldn't it be great to have the title? Wouldn't it be great to, wouldn't it be great to? Um, and, and yeah, I think I'm, hopeful that the majority of how I would do things is working from an identity rather than for one and for me feels like that authenticity and you know I I love it you'll have it countless times you go into organizations and they're like we're really excited that uh, we allow people to be themselves like it's a wonderful thing (laughs) wow I know, yeah. You are allowed to be yourself. All right, yeah, cheers, mate. Thanks. Yeah, yeah it, 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 it's a great start, that, because so much of that pervades our consciousness and our way of thinking, though, doesn't it? The message, and you're right about the school, actually. You're talking about that. I was thinking about, actually, yeah, my, my daughter's, my daughter's in the second, my eldest in the second year high, and, and even she's coming home with badges on it, and my youngest is in primary school, and it's the gold, silver, bronze, platinum, all this sort of stuff. And even that, yeah, you're right, it's creating that. I've got to chase that. And the bit you said, you know, it's fascinating, isn't it? I mean, you and I work with groups of people day in, day out. And when you ask people to do the introduction, often they tell you, I'm the chief accountant or I'm the payroll manager or I'm the project manager and my name is. And it's funny, is it? Because surely it should go the other way around. My name is Tim. And actually, that's all you need to tell me. Job title is irrelevant. And people go into, and I'm a grade seven or I'm a band five. And, I don't give up. Yeah. I really <laughs> Excuse me. I don't like there's there's people I, I remember being in an organization and someone it's like they had a, a like a badge on their chest which I couldn't see because I don't know if it was part of of their invisibility cloak but they, they kind of tapped their chest and said yeah but I'm a grade I'm a grade five and I just said yeah I, that wow that truly fascinates me I am grade 789 it's like Dungeons and Dragons like we've had or something you're like well well done you yeah and and there's no and and i love i was i remember looking at bringing uh doing a sort of um (laughs) we'd call it i love it when people go can you come up with an intervention for the team i mean it sounds like i'm going to get rubber gloves on or something and um so we were looking at um uh coaching with horses so you using horses because a horse doesn't care 
whether you're a five or a seven or you're chief accountant or you're head of talent or you're this or you're that. And so one of the, the things that um, they would get people to, date, to do is to go into the paddock and say, lead the horse. And there was so much that came through. Do you go and you, you grab the horse? Are you beside the horse? Do you connect with the horse? Yeah. And, and the horse senses, they, they have no... Um, no desire to know what your zone or chiefness is. They just want a sense of you. And 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 actually there there's a situation that this coach told me about that the, the leader punched the horse because the horse would not move. And excuse me for triggering that for people, I'm sorry, but um yeah. It was actually the most monumental, clearly, um situation because it opened out to the rest of the team and the team said that's how we feel every day. Wow. And so we, you know, we get a, we get a sense of it. We get, yeah. I don't know why I'm talking about horses now, but obviously I went down a horse hole. Um, but yeah, you know, we get a, a sense of, of things. Um, yeah. and, and, and I think that's really powerful to know about how we show up as people, people get a sense of it, you know, Show me you're you're a five with how you behave. Show me a five with how you connect with other humans. Show me a five with how you are, you know, um, you're a human. Yeah. Show me a five in that way. Don't tell me. Yeah. That example you just shared with the horses is is fascinating. It's a, yeah, wow. You know, for somebody to demonstrate that kind of behaviour, and you know, I mean, it sounds like it was a great opportunity because then the team could actually openly mm. say, "Yeah, that's how we feel every day." Mm. And it, <laughs> what it made me think of is, we are animals at the end of the day, humans. Mm. You know, there's a bit of me where I feel we don't really talk about this enough, and it kind of gets overlooked because we're all focused on I need to get to grade this, or I need to get to that job title. And actually, you're right. <coughs> Excuse me. Let's go back to that animalistic sense of when somebody walks in a room what do you get a sense of in terms of how they impact on you and how you're almost expecting them to behave isn't it it's almost when some leaders walk through the door there's an intake of breath get my head down whereas others my head up and I want to talk to this person can I ask you Chris when you said before about um (coughs) excuse me unashamedly be unashamedly yourself Hmm. <laughs> that's sorry this is my man flu making me yes. cough a little bit um it's, it's a strong word that isn't it if, if we if we kind of break that down a little bit to think actually why would we ever be ashamed to be ourselves okay some behaviors might make us feel embarrassed or even shame yet most of those hmm. behaviors that do that are, are, are far away from us being ourselves so it, and i'll ask you to think about this from your own experience so not kind of necessarily theoretical views either from you or people that you've worked with what have you seen that has or might make people feel ashamed of themselves as in their true authentic selves you know the values the mm-hmm. the beliefs they're decent human being yet might they might still feel that element of being ashamed of that what have you seen in your experience where that could happen i think um I, you know, I haven't been to the cinema for ages, to be fair, but Billy and I like going to the cinema and <laughs> I get so embarrassed with how loud he is. I get so embarrassed about how loud he is and and he plays on it and the trailer would come up and go, what do you think? And I'm like, will you stop? 
And I don't know how it's possible for a human being to be that noisy with popcorn and why he cannot take a breath. And I get so embarrassed that people would think bad of us in that situation. Yeah. And we're in the dark. <laughs> Nobody could see us. So yeah. where does that come from? And he always says to me, he's like, Kirstie, you get up on stage. You get up on stage in front of people with your crazy, stupid colours and you walk around, you know, our mommy, Kevin, he said, look at her. She's got eyes on her shoes. Like what, you know, what the audacity of that. And and he's like, how, how is that? And so I think it comes up and I share that not to say that Billy is wrong, but he is, right? Because he's so loud. Um, but that, in a deep part of me, where so what if he's eating popcorn like it's yeah. like machine gun fire so what if he's even thinking that we're ever going to see that film that he's just said is fantastic and the other people think that we would go and watch that so what and and actually i you know that's that's a deep-rooted shame for me okay. why what is yeah. that all about right i'm in the dark no one can see me and so it's maybe, and this feels like the complete antithesis of what I would normally say, is maybe three words. I heard Liz Gilbert say this, like I'm on her WhatsApp group or something. So Liz said, um, <laughs> she just called, you know, we were just having tea. And um, she said the three you know, most powerful words that I'm working on are, I don't care. We tend to, you know, as you talk about others and ourselves, you know, we tend to put a lot more emphasis on others than ourselves, and and that whole, you know, we can talk about, you know, Brittany Brown comparison as a thief of joy, blah blah blah. And, yeah. But yeah, I think that I know that I'm currently working on caring less, and that feels like the complete opposite of who I am. But I think I can be more of myself by caring less. Yeah. And it feels and do you know what? It looks easier. Because <laughs> when I see some people that clearly don't give a um I was like, wow, that looks simple. That looks and so I'm not gonna swing the pendulum, but I think that possibly for some of us within a corporate environment in particular, you know, we perhaps we don't want to see that um, thing that's niggling at us, or or trusting yeah. our intuition and going, this doesn't feel right. I don't know what's happening here. And actually, it takes courage to say that doesn't feel right. I don't yeah. know. I like I'm hearing what you're saying about where we're heading and the trajectory of the business, but there's something that doesn't feel right. Can we can we talk about that a little bit more? Like that, and and a lot of people may feel. Like, why would I, why would I even say that the strategy doesn't feel right? Why would yeah. I say that out loud, you know? And, and, and so, you know, I think that our, you know, sweeping generalization, but I think a lot of our workplaces are set out for us, as you've heard me say, and you put in your book, uh, to give a good talking to mm. rather than a good listening to. Yeah. And 
because it feels like it feels like an unsafe place to be wrong. Um, yeah. And sometimes we get independent in different cultures and how we've kind of grown up that, you know, it's it can be shameful to be wrong. And yeah. that makes me really sad. Um, yeah. And I'm, I'm still in it. I'm still, you know, the next time I go to the cinema, I'll try and get them not to take popcorn. But I, you know, and I see it and I... Um, I, I see people shooting all over themselves and yeah. saying, well, I should say this or I should be like this or I should be more accountable or I should be able to challenge or I should be more supportive. I should, I should. And you're shooting all over yourselves. And yeah. it's such a drain on energy. And, you, I mean, you know, we, we're here just now and I say, so I'm in a hotel and a beautiful hotel room. Um, I'm saying that because it's a lie, but the... If I said to you, you know, so I did a conference this morning, I just want you to know how busy I am just to, to put that as parenthesis. So I did a conference this morning and I'm doing this and I've got another meeting. Um, so I should go to the gym tonight. You know I'm not going. <laughs> I should go to the gym. Let's just, yeah. I'm not going to the gym. Yeah. If I, you know, I deserve to question how I feel about the strategy. I'm, I'm, you know, that I deserve to go to the gym. Then that's different but maybe the shame if, if we feel shame then we don't think we deserve it you know we we deserve to question because i think our, our role as leaders is yes to communicate that's not one and done our role is to communicate and pay attention to the response yeah because how often are we not paying attention it's that beautiful thing i think actually you put it in in your book as well, Glennon Doyle's quote is like, if you're feeling frustration or some form of the quote, if you're feeling frustration, if you're pissed off right now, brilliant. It means you're paying attention. Yeah. So, you know, go, what, what could you do with that? What could, what's the conversation that you can have? What's yeah. the insight that you can gain? Whatever that might be. Um, but yeah, I think... I'm not sure I answered your question, but you did. I think you answered it beautifully, and I think that that point you made there about the paying attention to the response. I think that's so valuable for people listening to this because you're right. With communication point of view, <laughs> I've I've been guilty of this. I've seen it so many times. I still hear it from leaders and still challenge them with it. That when leaders communicate, often their only focus is people should just do what I told them to do or they should just understand the communication. And that's okay to think like that. Yet what that's doing is exactly the opposite of what you're talking about there. Pay attention to the response. Say it as you want to say it. Tell them what you need to tell them. Pay attention to the response. That's what really tells you how well the message has been received. And there's a couple of things to thank you in terms of what you've called out there, because I love the analogy, and well, for you it's the reality of the pictures. Like, yeah, we're in the dark, and I still care about, people what people think of me even though i don't know them in the dark i don't know these people i don't know these people yeah. and they might be crunching at the same level i just can't hear them because billy's so loud right but that, it's so like what yeah. a representation of our grindy culture yeah that kind of causes all the shoulds yeah. I, I think you know like you were saying there i got this image of you know paying attention to the response. I got this image of people just, I, I was waiting on the hotel door opening there, just like someone opening up the hotel door and just downloading, okay, this is the communication, this is where we're heading, and then closing the door again. It feels like in some instances that's what some leaders do. It's like, boom, 
boom, and then close the door again. You're like, oh, yeah. brilliant. That you think that's communication? That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah. Although we think, oh, there's there's a nice PowerPoint uh, presentation that comes with it, and oh, you know, a nice uh, FAQs that come out. So that's okay. We've told them. Okay, yeah, maybe give them a chance to respond and listen to the response. That's what, like you said, that's what tells you about the how well your communication has been received. The shudding, I'm so glad that you've used that terminology. It, along with but, it's one of the worst and most dangerous words that we use, isn't it? I should do this. I should do that. And you know, something I always challenge people on is, no, I, I don't want to hear the word should. Tell, tell me what you will do. You know, at worst, tell me what you can do. Mm. Shoulds, coulds will never get us anywhere. And I think it's there's a big danger <coughs> as well where potentially that fear comes back to us as well, is when we mm. sit there and go, my boss should do this. Yeah. My team should do that. Everything we say around that is true. They should behave correctly. They should ask questions. They should listen. <coughs> if you spend your time wishing that other people should do things, you're going to waste a lot of time and suddenly your life's going to pass you by and you're still moaning about things that people should have done. Yeah. And then there's something I just want to ask you about a little bit of a, I guess whether it's a bit of advice or a, a hint or a tip to share with somebody around what we're, what I'd suggest we'll cover a bit here. So that element of you in the, in the pictures <laughs> and the fear of Billy talking loud and the fear of what other people think of us. And conversely, that bit of where we're going into the workplace and we're not speaking up because of the fear of being wrong. There's a bit there is it, it's helping people to understand how, how our hearts and minds play tricks on us because there's a little bit, there's a, there is a deep-rooted positive intent on that in terms of we wouldn't want somebody to think bad of us. You know, as a human being, that, that's a good thing to, to have as a, as a value or a default belief for us. Yet it plays tricks because you're right sometimes we just need to go I don't need to care what people think about this I'm, I'm behaving in the right way I don't know these people uh, my intent is right it, they choose their response so I don't have to care it, uh, and that that can apply to I can go and share honestly I disagree with this idea mm-hmm. I believe this is wrong because the intent there yet the fear of what other people think of us can hold us back so the question in that case and like I say whether this is a tangible or a bit of advice or something you do with that what could this do to overcome that fear, to help them to question the strategy, to help them to go and say that thing that they're holding back on because of the fear of what people might think of them? Maybe perhaps like listing your shoulds first. Use your shoulds as a Trojan horse for the requests that you want to make. And you know, I was I was with a a, <laughs> a group of people who call themselves a board. Um, just recently and within the first half hour I did I had a little um tally mark of 67 shoots wow and I played it back to them I said I was performance (laughs) question um so perhaps what are your shoots and then what are your wants and needs attached to the shoots And then what would be a request that you could make that's a really clear request to the organization, to the relationship, to the project, to the program that would be heard? And and rather than shooting all over ourselves, use the shoots as 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 a pack, as a beautiful package of brilliance. 
and and take them and say, right, what are those shoulds saying? You know, I should have made a coffee before this. You know, so so like if I was at home, let's let's just bring Billy into every conversation, right? But uh, you know, I was oh, I'm having a doing a podcast with with Tim. Um, oh, do you know what? It'd be great to have a great to have a coffee for that. And and if my then well, he should have made the coffee for me. It's really <laughs> obvious, right? And if my should is he should have made the coffee. What did I want? I wanted a coffee. Um, and actually, was that a clear request? No, it was a it was a soft ask. Yeah. It was a nudge. It was inferential. He's the most literal person in the world. Why would he choose inferential language? And and so, so, yeah, our complaints are always really valuable to us, as long as we don't use them as a weapon, yeah. use them as a gift and say, right, what, what do I want from this? Oh, they should be able to communicate this better. Okay, what do you want to hear? Then go and do a clear request. Or sit in your shouldness. Yeah, I think that's really powerful what you said about using your complaints as a gift, not a weapon, and actually yeah, using it to help people with it. Yeah, brilliant. So I love the practicality of it as well, because particularly for people listening who will be in that, they'll be in that moment, or they'll be building up to it, or there'll be something. If people listen to this, that there's something consistently on their mind that I should go and say that, or I should mm-hmm. give to this person feedback, and you're right, just taking the time, list what those shoulds are, look at what the wants and needs are. And I think the way you articulate that's really important. What's a request you can make that would be heard? I think that's a brilliant question mm-hmm. for people to have in their minds, isn't it? Rather than convincing themselves this won't work or convincing themselves it's not worthy, actually, how can you make it a request that will be heard? And that's, you know, it's what Jim McNeish talks about, right, in terms of naming the conversation. Naming the conversation gives real agency, gives clarity, gives context, gives intention. You know, imagine looking at your diary and it all be the conversations that people really want to have with you. Yeah. Because let's face it, we're all rocking up with our own agenda, right? Yeah. And so why don't we call that out? Yeah. And for some of our personality types, people are like, well, I'm not going to call out all my agendas. Well, okay, great. But maybe you know, do 10% of them. But imagine if you looked at your diary, it's like, I'd like to have a conversation. Tim, I'd like to have a conversation with you called boom. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I know, because how often have we all gone into a meeting and thought it was about one thing and walked out going, well, yeah. that was interesting. Yeah. What just happened there? Is anyone clear about that occurrence? Um, and so, yeah, name the conversation. Yeah. Give, each, give each person agency. Give each person agency because that's yeah. you know it's my favorite quote. You know, we're in an air hard, a problem only ever exists in the absence yeah. of any conversation. Yeah. So have a conversation, right? And yeah. have it with the person, not about the person. Beautiful. Our brain is really clever because when we're talking, when we have the because sometimes you say, Well, I've had the conversation. I'm curious, did you have the right conversation with the right person? so you had the right conversation about the person to someone else we didn't actually have the conversation weirdly sometimes my brain goes our work here has done and then we get really annoyed that they're still doing the thing it's because we didn't have the right conversation with the right person at the right time in the right way with the right agenda yeah I I think that that point you made there about having a conversation with the person not about the person and that element of actually 
title in labeling the conversations there's a bit there around just use it as an example where we, where we don't always get this right it's like it's like the appraisal isn't it you know I mean, thankfully so many organizations are moving away from that or, or performance review or you know what whatever title we give to it that can impose on us this this kind of mold in our minds that actually i'm having i'm i'm doing kirsty's appraisal and straight away you think well, shouldn't Kirsty do Kirsty's appraisal because it's Kirsty's performance, attitudes, and behaviours that are being reviewed? And yeah, it's been able to take a step back, isn't it? And uh, you know, you know that there'll be at least one person who've listened to this will be nodding along, going, "I've been in that meeting today where I turned up thinking it was about something else, and I came away thinking, what the hell have we just spent an hour talking about?'" There will be a guarantee at least one person nodding along to this, going, "Yeah, yeah. I've just had that meeting." Yeah, and it's that meme that says. You're, I'm never going to get this. You know, you, you see this like little picture of people in meeting going, I'm never getting this ever back. Yeah. <laughs> or this could have been an email. Yeah. How many of this could have been an emails if we lived through it in our life, right? This yeah. could have been a, and, and you know what? Like I, <laughs> when you say appraisal, I think I still have some trauma about appraisals. I'm 18 years out of having a proper job, but I, I still have trauma. I have PTSD of appraisals. My, one of my last managers, I'll call him a manager, fell asleep in my appraisal. Oh, yes. <laughs> I don't know, actually. I'm still wrestling with who that says more about. <laughs> oh, no. say more about me? Because quite frankly, I was rubbish. Um, or does, what, does that say more about that? I don't know. But they fell asleep. Because <laughs> oh, wow. because it was that time, you know, when everyone's like, <laughs> I know we were talking about because we're recording this and at the start of a year, and everyone's like, oh my goodness, it's January and and it's appraisal time and it's this and it's that and I've got to do appraisals and I've got to get the one to ones done. What a brilliant intention, you know? It's it's like I've got to I've got to do the appraisal. Yeah. Oh my goodness, you get to sit down with the beautiful humans that are in your span of care and work out how we can bring the best out in their capability and potential well that's rubbish yeah I've got to do, we've got to get them on the system yeah, yeah, yeah. i've got to fill the format do you know your your uh, boss falling asleep in your face <laughs> I, I i'm so happy to tell that because it's probably took uh, maybe close well, let's say 15 or 20 years for somebody to top an experience i had of an appraisal which was exactly what you're talking about there. It's appraisal time. I've got to get these done. Yeah. So my boss at the time, then the way it used to work is they would send you the form with their mm-hmm. bits filled out. Then mm-hmm. you'd sit down and they'd read those bits out. Then they'd fill out a bit, sign it. And all the time I'm thinking, I haven't spoken at all here. When I got my appraisal form before my meeting, um, everything that the said boss had filled out referred to me as Kate. <laughs> they had put Tim Roberts at the top, yet every description was, Kate does this well. Kate would benefit from this. An idea for Kate is this. So me being me, went to Kate, who was one of my peers, and said, oh, shit, Kate, uh, I, I think he might have sent me your form by mistake. I was like, I haven't read loads of it. I said, I'll just be honest, and I'm going to go back and tell him. Well, Kate said to me, all right, she went, let me have a look. She went, no, he's just copied and pasted. Oh. So basically what he would do is, well, he's either copied and pasted or gone to start my form, replacing Kate's and done save us and just not done anything out. Yeah, Tim Roberts became Kate. So, yeah, it's just, but that, you're, <laughs> you're having somebody fall asleep on you and my copy and paste, to me is exactly what you're talking about. Is, yeah. and, and I think what you said about looking, imagine looking in your calendar and seeing every conversation that's a conversation that people really want to have. You know, that's, I think, a great challenge, particularly if a leader's listening to this. He's actually, yeah, 
look in your calendar for next week and actually challenge yourself and go, yeah, do I really want to have that conversation? Well, well, do I really need to have that conversation? And the person I've invited to that, do they really want to have that with me? Do they really want to be there? And it's, yeah, it's something that we, we, we've got an autopilot. I've got another meeting, got another meeting, got another meeting. It's actually turned it into, you know, what's the conversation that we need to have and how do I make this into one that people want to have? Now, just want to ask you a question in terms of leaders and teams, particularly around this, because, you know, you work with leaders all around the world. You know, you, you referenced the board earlier. You know, and, and, and something I ask uh, people on this, this podcast is around the authenticity for leaders and teams because we know the value of it. We know that it's important. I, I want to ask you why Why does that matter to leaders and teams for their authentic self and how, how does it help them? Isn't it weird that that's a question? <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> I think that's my first thing. I'm like... Oh wow! Isn't it really interesting that that's a question? Um. <laughs> Maybe it's because I always get asked it by clients when I'm when I'm encouraging yeah. them to do why authentic it, leadership. Why, yeah, why is it really important for people to be authentic? Because <laughs> um, it takes up a lot of energy not to be, and that energy could be directed into having a. a increase in engagement in the team and an increase in overall performance of the business i remember yeah. um a book i know like you know i love to read the dark dark side of the light chasers by debbie ford and it was about yeah. perception as prediction and she used an analogy of and i always use this analogy and i i get really immature for some reason when i talk about it but let's go with it um and it's like imagine i was to hand you um and she, she talked about this in terms of perception of projection but if i shift it imagine if i was to hand you a grapefruit and you had to hand you had to hide your grapefruit from people this is the bit where i think it sounds rude hide your grapefruit um you're not allowed to put it in a grapefruit safe everyone it has to be on your person but you have to keep hiding it from people all of the time right you know and, and i i asked you to do that as an exercise for five days can you imagine because yeah. even if someone sneaks a peek at your grapefruit you've got to hide it and, and you just like they're a little side eye you've got to hide it they're not allowed to see it yeah and so that's you know if if we have if we're if we, we're not allowing people to be themselves and and the and let's face it i mean let every human is it, the human condition is fragmented we're all talking to ourselves we're all challenged in many many different ways and and so allow that to be yeah you can't put that on a production line that's you can't mechanize that because it's so fragile and so bizarre and so magical and so wonderful and so vast um but in my, you know we're all in organizations on a team's call or on a in a in a room hiding our grapefruits and that's taking yeah. a lot of energy and so if you're always hiding who you are and always hiding the conversations you want to have there's a lot of energy that that takes and so yeah i think and, and, yeah I remember a, a client of mine came to meet me in a hotel that I was staying at and we're downstairs, we're having a chat, we're having a coffee and he came in and he had this brilliant um, Mickey Mouse tie. I was like, 
Amen. Right. I love it. So cute. And then it sort of, it was a, you know, a lovely conversation about Disney and he, his eyes were shining and it was just joyful. It was a great conversation. It was really lovely to see him. And he said, right, I'm off to the office now. And he just started loosening his tie and he started rolling it up and putting it in his, in his bag. And I thought, wow. I said, what, for what reason are you taking off your tie? He said, they don't deserve this tie. They don't deserve this tie. (laughs) Wow. And actually, some of our organisations deserve the authenticity of the humans that work for them. Yes. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I think the bit around the hiding is fascinating, isn't it? And it's a good challenge for people to say, what are you hiding? From people, you know, what do people deserve from you? It's I, I, there's a exact coaching client of mine who, at the time, if you think of him, they had a it was last summer, they had a you know, a company summer ball as, as they do and everything. And he, 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 I'm working with him around being authentic. And he said, It was the first time I went, he said, Where well, I didn't wear a shirt, a suit, and a shirt and tie. He said, Because I'm an exec, he said, That's what we normally do. He said, I just went how I dress when I go on holiday when I go out with my friends. And he said, Quite a few people commented on, Oh, wow, I like your shirt. I, I, did, I didn't know you wore stuff like that. And he said it really made him think about, you know, like, like the tie, that bit of actually, am I showing enough of my true self? And actually, maybe what are people really thinking of me if I'm not wearing the shirt that I want to wear? And yeah, it's, yeah, it's, we do hide things about ourselves, don't we? And the reality is, yeah, it's choosing who deserves that. And I guess I'd always encourage, you know, leaders listen to this, think about, because you're right, it's challenging what's going on in the organisation because leaders have a limited impact on the global culture of an organisation as in the entire organisation. Yet you have the impact on the local culture, don't you? And challenging yourself to lead to go, what can I do to make sure my team deserve the tie, deserve my true authentic self? And and, and like you say, it always starts with you. And so maybe maybe even though... (laughs) There's a belief system within you that thinks that they do not deserve the tie. Wear the tie. Yeah. Because you love the tie. Yeah. You love the yeah. tie. And it brings yeah, right. ties. I don't know. It's a paradox, right? Yeah, no, you challenge the challenge your own belief. And I guess there's we're built we're basically a lot around a tie here, aren't we? I love this. Um, I well, say, well, no, I, I, we started in a weird way, so you know. Then I brought in horses. I mean, it's, it's... <laughs> no from biscuits to horses to, to grapefruits now ties. But yeah, it's that bit of said, is it? I deserve the tie. So actually, what other people think of that? Actually, I mm. I feel good in that, and I yeah. and I deserve it. Yeah, I think that's yeah, that's a really important point, isn't it? And I encourage everyone listening to this. If there is something you're thinking, I shouldn't wear that for work. Actually, go no, you deserve to wear that for work. If you feel good in it. Who cares what other people think of it? Now, this is Kylie with no gold hot pants on, but um, (laughs) now this is uh, now I'm going to turn it into a particular part, which I always ask every guest about this. So this is, uh, and if people have listened to the whole series up to this, and I I make no apologies for repeating what I'm about to say, because. I, I'm going to use the word dickhead, and I use this word dickhead in every uh, episode, every conversation. And I always make sure I explain what I mean by that because the term gets used a lot and it can be used to judge people, it can be used to be quite dismissive. So for me, I use that term to describe a leader, a person, but particularly a leader, 
who demonstrates attitudes and behaviours that are irritating to, to others. They have no self-awareness and demonstrate absolutely no integrity. And that, that's a dickhead for me. It's not, I'm not saying that these people are bad human beings. I'm not saying they're completely lost. I think some people just are dickheads. That's what I mean by a dickhead is it comes across in their behaviours, their attitudes. And we all have the ability to be a dickhead at times. So the question I ask everybody, Kirsty, in terms of that is, how can our audience stop themselves from being a dickhead? (laughs) Such a great question. Um, I'll probably... I'll reference another book, and I talk about this book a lot, which is My Stroke of Insight by Dr. Jill Bolte-Taylor. Yeah. And Jill is, I think, a neuroanatomist who had a stroke and got tremendously excited about having a stroke. And it affected, I think, the left-hand side of her brain, I'm not sure, um, affected boundaries. And so she wasn't aware of the boundary between herself and the rest of the world. And so it happened while she was in the shower, and she was at one with the shower. Um, and so because this part of our brain had been affected and it took her a while to convalesce, then she would be really affected by those around her. And so if a doctor or a nurse or a consultant came in, um, well, if, if I rewind, like her, people were talking about her, her mum. She didn't know what a mum was. She didn't know the entity of a mum. And her mum was called when she was taken into hospital and she did not know what this entity was. But when this, this entity lifted up the covers, got into bed and gave her a massive hug. All she felt was deep love. And she knew everything was going to be okay. Because there was no boundary. There was no linguistics either. And when a a doctor, a nurse or a consultant came in and they were, hey, Jill, how you doing? Right, looking at your chart. Okay, so we're with such and such today. We're just going to turn you over and treated her as if she was a person rather than someone that was broken. She felt energized by that intervention, that conversation. But when a doctor, a nurse or a consultant came in and they were negative or they didn't speak to her or treated her as if she was broken, she would sleep afterwards because she was so exhausted. Yeah. And her quote from that is, take responsibility for the energy you bring into my space. And that for me is how not to be a dickhead. Take responsibility for the energy you take into people's spaces. And we see that whether we're in a Zoom room or on Teams, we know the people that this workshop has just been put in their calendar and they would rather not be there. Yeah. Um, you can try and hide, but we see you. Yes. Um, and especially those with leaky faces, we see you a lot. Um, take responsibility for the energy you bring into my space. Yeah. And I think as leaders, how do we ensure that we take responsibility for the energy that we bring into people's spaces? Because we are all animals. Yeah. We're all those horses, not given a about your badge and about your title or whatever it might be. Where we sense that the energy we pick up in the energy. And so yeah, I think I think personally for me that is really important. And and to give that pause of responding versus being reactive. You know, there's sometimes, you know, I can't remember if this was previous to our conversation or or in the conversation, but there are sometimes we want to give someone a wedgie, right? Yeah. A reaction rather than a response. Well, to be fair, in some instances, it might be the best response. <laughs> yeah. But rather, so give yourself that pause. But yeah, 
think about how you're posturing into a conversation, how you're how how you stand. What is your stance? What is your stance in the conversation? What is your stance as you walk into a room? And yeah, I mean that from a physical sense, but yeah, what is your stance? And take responsibility for that. Yeah, yeah I, the energy piece is really important for leaders, and I, I'd suggest it's something that doesn't get talked about enough. It, it's you know, think about you use the great example of people coming into the workshops, like you say, where it's been put in the diary, and it's they don't really want to be there. And then if they're then met with, I'll say, a teacher, yeah. you know, sit down, class. I'm going to tell you what to do. This is you know, and straight away it's like the slide with you will learn this or you will do this. And it's a bit like, well, I don't want to be here anyway. And now you're telling me what to do. And you're right, it's that if you, if you put that in our position, it's having that awareness, then you're right, choosing that energy. And accepting they might not want to be here, that's all right. It doesn't mean that I have to then create energy that might encourage them to be a dickhead or, God forbid, I bring energy that makes me a dickhead. Yeah, I think that taking responsibility for our energy that we bring in is huge, isn't it? Yeah, because, I mean, you called it, I can't remember who you oh i said in your book and you use the maya angelou quote with someone else oh um, noel gallagher yes no that was it no yeah um you know people are never going to remember what you say or do but they're always going to remember how you made them feel yes and, and i think exactly to your point that we don't speak about that enough um yeah because we're too busy <laughs> replying to emails to people that we don't like <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you, you just described the, the typical day for millions of people out there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that's the thing I think it was Liz that said again. Um, he's like, I think it was Martha Beck that said, what we really want to do is do things we love with the people that we love. Yeah. You want to come home and you know see your daughter's eyes light up when you hand them a lotus biscoff biscuit <laughs> you know be annoyed that you could have just given that them that for christmas and just saved you a lot of money but equally you want to do that because you're doing something yeah with the people that you love yeah we spend too much time in a teams meeting or replying to emails from brenda sorry Brenda but for some reason that's my default Brenda and we don't even like her yeah yeah and we over worry about sending that email to Brenda yeah so let me ask now now you did say these words before Kirsty and I thank you for that um so the question I'm asking everybody as well is why must it always start with you So I think my my ego says, why must it not? Um, That is all you are. You have no control over anyone else. They may hear the popcorn being eaten. (laughs) That is, yeah, but that's how they respond. You know, what what we see and do is our shit. How people respond is their shit. Yeah. I'm I'm sure Carl Jung said something far better. Um. But why? Just there's another great book by Rob Bell, "How to Be Here Now," and we are, you know, as humans, there's eight, what eight billion of us in the planet. We are unique expressions of 
humanness on this world. Yeah. It's just astonishing. Like really when you sit and think about it, it's like, you know, I often think I'm in a movie. Sometimes it's the Hunger Games, actually. I'm just like, I'm sure there's been an offering just earlier. <laughs> but, um, isn't that just amazing? And and when we worry about what is going to happen and we worry about the quantum possibilities that exist in front of us, you have never been done before. Yeah. You've never existed before. Yeah. So how did you expect it to go? <laughs> there is no script for you. And so we, how did you expect it to go? And actually yeah. when you release our, your hold on how we expect it to go, then it is. it starts with you. You have the choice to respond in a certain way. You have the choice to dial up or down your energy dependent on the thermometer of the room. You have you have a choice. And you know, it's <laughs> some people say I was with a client the other day and and they were saying, Oh, this person's like this and this person's like this, but all these people were like exactly the same. Yeah. And, and they were just like Jessica Fletcher, you know, every time she turned up there was a murder. I mean, quite frankly, if she turned up to your village, you'd be worried, right? Um, and and that's the thing. It's like we're the we're we're the Jessica Fletcher. We're the thing that's always there. And so, you know, release our expectations on how on on our quantum possibilities, and know that our choices will take us down. It's like sliding doors, isn't it? You know, yes. whether I get on the train or not, is our choices will take us on the train or not. And and that is that is all you, and yeah. and then we have that. And I think is it is it in your book? I think it was in your book. I was reading when it's like we're the is it um, we're observing ourselves. You know, we're the yeah. animals are the only. Yeah, I'm sure it is in your book. Um, but we, you know, we are the observer of even ourselves. You know, we could get into all sorts of things there, but. <laughs> Yeah, I. You are only in control of your behaviors. We're yeah. in control of some of our thoughts. You're in control yeah. of most of our actions, um, and so therefore, it is it is down to you. You are a unique expression of a human. Yeah. You know, isn't that just amazing? When we forget yeah. that when we're on a team's call. Yeah. Isn't that extraordinary that we got the chance to wake up this morning? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Isn't Do you know what? That's the thing we should be thinking about every day, actually. If we get to wake up today, if we get to do something today, yeah. That is, that is a gift not afforded to everyone. Yes. And, oh, my yeah. goodness. Yeah. And, and, that, and maybe that's the thing is like, you know, because we want to be with people we, we love, but maybe we're, and and so yeah, I think there's boundaries there as well. You know, that goes back to take responsibility for the energy. So so yeah, not sure I answered your question, but that's where I went. It does. I, I think it answers it brilliantly, and I, and I love, 
Okay, unsurprised with me because you used the word shit. Uh, I, I really mm. think what you said about what we say and do is our shit and how people respond is their shit. I, I think that's a beautiful articulation of what a lot of people would benefit from taking notice of because we react to what people say. You know, there's, I know mm. when I facilitate team coaching, it, that's something that comes out is that Tim says one thing and Kirsty reacts. And often for me as a coach, I'm saying, God, okay, just, let's just stop there. What, mm. what I'd like Kirsty to do is ask Tim a question yeah. because actually what you're doing now is you're turning around what Tim has said to what you think and feel about that. And that's okay. Actually, let's stop and make sure, to use your words, the shit that you choose to do next is a question to help Tim mm. because it's that classic thing, isn't it, that if, if somebody says something and I choose to react, now that reflects on me. And actually, if, if I allow what Kirsty's just said to just be what Kirsty said, it, it reflects on Kirsty. Yeah, it's that ability is it, to choose and go, actually. You know, it, sometimes when people say things to me, particularly in group settings, sometimes I'll just say, okay, thank you. Mm-hmm. And then just be, and, and, and you can see the colour of drain from the face. I look at it and it's go, why haven't you said anything? Because I've just said something contentious and I've just said something that you probably don't agree with. You know, and I was like, okay. That's, you know, as long as it's not discriminatory, offensive, it, you've said it, it only reflects on you. So I'm happy to leave it as that's what you've just said. Because if I now start to say things or come back to you, then it reflects on me. And actually, I want that allow, just allow it to be from your God. So, Kirsty, we have reached the, uh, the self-indulgent part of the conversation, as in self-indulgent for me, where we're going to talk about books and music. And I mean, you've already given some brilliant books uh, out there as a recommendation. Uh, let me ask you, Christy, what is a book that everyone must read? Uh, my Stroke of Insight. Uh, yeah, the one I mentioned, Dr. Jill Bolte-Taylor. And yeah. <laughs> I know you said one. And How to Be Here Now by Rob Bell. Um, yeah, I, I'd stick with those ones, to be fair. Yeah. There's so many more. There is, yeah, what, what, what quite a lot of guests have said to me that this, these, these are two of the hardest questions because I'm asking you to literally drill it down from everything into one or two, and I'm more than happy to allow you to have those two. Yes, so yeah. music time then, Kirsty. Oh, uh, what okay. is an album or song that everyone must listen to and why? <laughs> it was really interesting when I read this question because I knew you were going to ask me. I kind of put a lot of pressure on myself to come up with a really cool answer. I was like, I really want to come up with like the greatest album ever. And maybe Tim's not heard of it. And um, he'll be like, oh my goodness, I've not heard of that. And I'll be like, yeah, that's great. And isn't that weird that my ego is just like, pick a, pick a humdinger. It's <laughs> like, what is, so people are going to listen to this episode and go, this girl needs help. Right. Um, but yeah, pick a humdinger. And so I think life would be better as a musical. I really firmly do. And I love The Greatest Showman. I've danced with Blackman on stage. I've touched his bum. He's touched mine. Haven't watched it since. And I love the the song from The Greatest Showman, This Is Me. And and I saw Tracy Ellis Ross just talking recently about her mum. And she said, I saw this female entity in a shimmery dress throughout my childhood with her arms up in a powerful stance saying this is me not look at me this is me 
Yeah. And that's a massive shift. You know, this is me, right? And and that's you know, that for me is is that whole notion of what you've been speaking about in terms of authenticity and uh, yeah. yeah. So yeah, um as my ego says it should have been better. I'm gonna stick. Well I'm I'm very happy that you've thought about it and then come back to the greatest showman because I've I've heard you talk about it. We've had conversations about it before so i'm very happy that you went back to it and we're not going to get into the argument about before about who, who fancies you jackman more between you or i i will allow you to take that title <laughs> that's all else, uh, no but one day maybe one day <laughs> put it out there friend put it out there literally just walk it about with your bum out i don't know well, well somebody uh once said to me they had a friend who they, they felt was more obsessed with Paul Weller than I am, but it was a bit like, I'm going oh, And they there. said he, this person, I've never met this person I'm talking about, this is a friend telling me about it. And their, their friend was saying, uh, I'm so obsessed with Paul Weller, I was, I was, I was determined I was going to meet him. And he, and he used, every time I listened to a Paul Weller record, he would say to himself, one day I'm going to meet Paul Weller, one day I'm going to meet Paul Weller. And he didn't try to engineer this, he didn't go to a gig and wait outside, he didn't go wait outside his studio. He would just tell himself, one day I'm going to meet Paul Weller. And he went to New York. I, I'm for his birthday, I was wedding anniversary. I, I'm sorry, I, can't I know this story. Temple was. I know this story. Yeah, and he walks it... into the hotel lobby. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, I know that story. And I might be Scott told me. I th- I, yeah, and I think it's, oh my goodness, I forgot. Yeah, I know who it is. That's so funny. The guy who, it was Scott who told me, well, I don't know the guy who met Paul Weller, but yeah. It, so I, I think if you tell yourself enough, then the universe makes it happen. <laughs> That's hilarious. But That's the, hilarious. It's, it's funny what you said about me asking you about the song on the album, because that in itself is an example of some of the things we've been talking about, isn't it? That when somebody asks mm-hmm. you that question, you almost like, oh, what make me sound dead cool? Or, or what, what is the greatest album ever recorded? And, you yes, know, I, yes, I, I got asked it recently by somebody... I was at a conference, but somebody was there who I know, and for whatever reason, they were still talking about music, and I walked past, and they know I'm obsessed with music. They said, oh, Tim, come here. We've got a question for you. And they said to me, what are the top, what are your top three albums? And I went, I went to pieces. <laughs> Even though they asked me, what are my top three? Not are, what, what are, you know, what Universe. does the world say? Or what are, the, what are my, and I literally went to pieces. I was like, oh, I don't know. All because internally I'm thinking, oh, what, what's going to make me sound really cool? And what's going to, I was like, I like sort of stumbled around and looked on my phone and uh, unsurprisingly, Paul Weller was in there with Marvin Gaynor. Uh, the other one was Rolling Stones, Exile mm. on Main Street. But I walked away and I was like thinking, why the hell have I just gone to pieces with that person about something I love? They asked for my personal thoughts, and it was something that I already know. It's just insane, isn't it? It's I know, just... that's us in the dark, eating popcorn really loudly, and <laughs> yeah. nobody cares. It's like, they just missed a question. <laughs> insane, isn't it? Insane. But yeah, that's... Although, I would say, mm. I, when I've wrestled with that, one of the things I've kind of come back to... I mean, I mean it's a big part of the bullshit factor that we all have. Yeah, I... I it, I'd say it relates to what you shared today, Chrissy, about that unique, you are a unique expression mm-hmm. of a human. Because I, I do think that inner fear of, oh, is it okay to say that I think Marvin Gaye, what's going on, is the top three album? I, I think that's I think that's a great humanness, though. I, I, I do, as long as we do it in the right way and as long as we recognise, mm-hmm. again, it's coming for positive intent. And a bit like you said before, we respond by going, I don't care. 
I don't care if he's even heard of Harvey Gale, if he disagrees, I'm just going to say it. it I, I encourage people to embrace that about yourself. It's it's a good thing, you know, that it's much better to have that rather than create an argument that these are my top three albums and anything you say is wrong. You know, just, just say it. So we, we've maybe set this up beautifully for the final question. So the final question I ask Kirsty is, to me, kind of sums up what this podcast is all about. Obviously, it's all about authenticity. It's all about... I want people to listen to this and go away and do something with it. I want it to make them think and I want it to kind of come into their minds when they're having a conversation. So the final question is around a, a tangible uh, recommendation or a hint or a tip, something that you would recommend somebody to go and do or that you do. It might be a summary of what you've already shared. What is the one thing that our audience can do today to be their true authentic selves? The one thing. I think that's pretty women. A question you want me to find a person, a person to fucking really. Um, do you know what? I have an app on my phone called We Croak. Right. <laughs> and it sends me a reminder five times a day. It says, don't forget you're going to die. <laughs> and then it, says, it gives me an inspirational quote. Tim's looking at me, people, for everyone who's listening to this podcast going, well, she's jolly. Um, Tim's looking at me going, well, that's not been an answer I've had before, and that's weird. Um, and it's from like Bhutan, often cited as the happiest place on the earth, or indeed um, one of. And they have death baked into their curriculum because it allows them, it affords them per perspective. Yeah. And and actually, you know, it's it's one of my funniest moments of the day because it's it just you know I might be. You know, I might, it's it's January, so because January is that month where we're going to get the appraisals done, we've also got to play our tax returns, we're going to do our VAT returns, why? Um, and so, you know, knee-deep in spreadsheets. And um, I'm like, you know, a vortex of, of deep joy. And then that pops up on my phone and it just gives you a little sense of perspective. Yeah. It was it was funny actually. I was I was sitting with a new client and um hadn't done work with them before. They I'd been brought into that client by someone I'd worked with previously who just joined the business. And my phone was in on um airplane mode, but I hadn't turned it um upside down. Um, which is really bad. But I wasn't being distracted by it. <laughs> but I didn't realise that the notifications for that app pop up whilst yeah. it's on airplane mode. And so this person who's never met me and I'm there as a motivational speaker has a little thing that pops up and goes don't forget you're going to die. <laughs> and I saw him look out the corner of his eye and then look again out the corner of his eye and then look at me and then look at the phone and then just look at me again and then just go, wow. Yeah. But actually, it allows us to gain perspective. Yes. Yeah. And we woke up today, right? Yeah. And so wouldn't it be rude if we weren't ourselves? Yeah. Wouldn't it be rude that we got the chance to wake up today and to see those five notifications on my phone? <laughs> I wish I had, you know, I'm you know, my ego saying, really, you're giving that as a thing? But yeah, for, yeah. Yeah, that's really powerful. You know, and it's, again, it's maybe one of these things that we don't talk about. Or, you know, if somebody was to talk about death, it's, oh, sure, don't talk about that, don't talk about that. And, you know, I think, as you said, 
you know, switch on your perspective and change the perspective going, yeah, actually, we are going to die. But it really focuses on, well, what, what do you want to do today then? Because today, you know, touch wood isn't that day. You've woke up today, so go and do something. So, you know, yeah, go and do something because, yeah, that day will come and it's, yeah. You know, is your head so far up your problem that you can't yeah. see the bigger picture? And, and you know, it can't be, Professor Steve Peters, who wrote The Chimp Paradox, says, you know, five times a day, give yourself a perspective check. Give yourself a, you know, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. And, and for me, those sort of things is, you know, we croak and, and watch comedy. Watch Billy Conley on a daily basis. Just give yourself a laugh. You know, that sort of laugh that gives you sheer lactic acid in your cheeks. Yeah. That, you know, actually causes you to ugly cry with laughter. Do that on a, on a daily. Do that, because that, you know, that's important, right? It is. The spreadsheet isn't. The team's call isn't. Like, yeah. genuinely. Genuinely, it's not that important. Yeah. Thank you so much, Kirsty. What an amazing thing to finish on. And that is definitely going to make people go away and think about the result of this. I love how you tied it in in terms of wouldn't it be rude if we're not ourselves? You know, I think that's such a beautiful mm-hmm. way of putting it and reminding ourselves that we should be grateful for the fact that we wake up today. So, yeah, how rude would it be if we're not going to go and be ourselves? Kirsty, Matt, you are an absolute superstar. Thank you so much. People will get so much from this. So I, I will plug you for you. So if people listen to this, if you're not connected with or following Kirsty on LinkedIn, make sure you go and do that and see all the wonderful things that Kirsty does. And I would also encourage people to sign up for your uh, emails as well because they bring joy every time they land in my inbox. They always make me laugh. I always learn something from them. You know, it's they're really, really valuable. It's, it's not just another subscriber list to It's something that really helps people. Mm-hmm. So thank you so much, Kirsty. Go and enjoy your 10 weeks in Thailand, which is following mm-hmm. shortly after this conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you. Keep smiling. Keep being you. I really hope from listening to that interview, one of the first things that you're thinking about is what would you want to change your name to by Depot? Kirsty's already told you that it only costs you 36 quid. So it's already made me think about it. I think I said in the interview, Steve McQueen would be the one I'd change it to. Um, but I hope you've enjoyed that. I hope the fun that we had recording it came through. I hope it's put you in a good mood. I hope it's made you think about you and the things that you want to do to be more authentic and the things that you want to do as a result of listening to it. And, you know, I said this to you in the in the intro, and I'm not going to kind of dwell on this because I want the message to have come from Kirsty. Just that bit that she reminded us about that we're all going to die. And it, this isn't about being macabre or being depressed about that. It's that that's the end outcome for all of us. You know, everybody who wakes up today, everybody who's listening to this podcast is bloody lucky to be alive. So really thinking about what are the choices you need to make and what's in your responsibility to do what you want to do before that time comes, to have the impact that you want to have and to help you to stop worrying about the things that you don't really need to give a shit about and that nobody else gives a shit about. Because remember, the end result is the same for all of us. It's what you do between now and that end result is up to you. 
and how you live that life, how you make sure the point that Kirsty made about making sure you work from your identity, not for one, because that's what people talk about when the end result comes. That's what people remember is the identity that you showed in your energy and your presence that you bring into every conversation. And I'm sure that having listened to Kirsty, you get a sense of the energy that Kirsty brings into people's spaces and the conversations that she has. Um, I love Kirsty's message about going over and above. So go over and above knowing who you are. You know, there's this thing about and let, let, we want people to go over and above and we want them to show discretionary effort. We want them to take initiative. And yeah, of course we do. What we really need to do is take initiative for knowing who you are, actually putting more energy and going over and above to making sure that you know exactly who you are. And what Kirsty reminds us is you have to put more emphasis on you. I love when Kirsty was talking about the communication piece and you know what she said about what we do and say is our shit, how people respond is their shit. And the point she made about with leaders, don't focus on the message that you give. Make sure that's right, give clarity and then focus on the response that you get. Because that's what decides what happens next, not what you say and do, it's how people respond to it. So challenging yourself to think about what is it you maybe need to do more of and maybe start doing to focus and really pay attention to the response that you get from your communication. Um, I, I think Kirsty gave us some advice that everybody needs to do. Stop spending time replying to emails from people you don't really like. That really resonated with me. I spent bloody years replying to emails that I don't really like. Maybe that's where the circle of knowledge comes from with my determination to stop working with dickheads. So challenge yourself about who are the people that you're getting caught up in this email and caught up in this ridiculous perception and actually stop wasting your time replying to emails from those people. But go and have a conversation or maybe just press delete. Just be really clear on what are the things you're wasting your time and energy on with the people that don't really like, that aren't important to you because it's very easy for them to make themselves important to you. Yet there's, what, 7 billion people on this world. You'll know a very small percentage of that and a very small percentage of the people you know are actually people that you like and are people that bring positive energy to you. So focus on what Kirsty was talking about, that stops wasting time and energy on people that you don't need that relationship with. And I think to help with that is the bit she said about have the conversation with the person, not about the person. And that leads us nicely into the, well, the first coaching question I want to ask you as part of this outro on this episode and asking you to think about how will you take responsibility for the energy that you bring into other people's spaces. So just linking it back to what Kirsty said, if you're someone who's constantly having conversations about other people and you're spending your day talking about other people, you need to just take a bit of a reality check there and think about, yeah, how do I have that conversation? with those people but something i challenge every leader to commit to is never ever say something about anyone else that you're not prepared to say to their face yeah you might articulate it slightly differently yeah you might need to think about how they can really positively respond to what you want to say but if you're prepared to go and talk to somebody about someone else you have to hold yourself accountable to going i should only be saying the things about tim to this other person what I'm prepared to say to Tim's face. So in terms of that, how will you take responsibility for the energy that you bring into other people's spaces? Um, there's a couple of questions here that are linked. So the first one is the bit that Kirsty talks about, what badges might you be chasing? 
you know, we had a really open conversation with people saying, oh, I'm great this and I'm great that. And she said, great, so what? what? What you're really interested in is the person. If you're attaching your value, even your purpose or what you do to a badge or a grade, you're missing you. So challenge yourself to think about what badges might you be chasing. Look, a good way to think about this is a lot of people chase the title of director or because they want to be on the C-suite. And then when they get there, they've got no idea why they're there. They've got no idea why they wanted to get there or how they should behave or how they put their true authentic selves into that badge or grade or role that they've actually achieved. So look, keep those ambitions there. If there is that history of progress for you ahead of you, focus on what that is. First of all, sense check what badges you're chasing and actually ask yourself what you should really be chasing. Now, the question that links to that is where do your perceptions of what people might think of you come from and why? And do go on the why to get the openness in that question. So think about where those perceptions come from. If you're an organisation that always talks about grades and job types and badges, so the perception that you're chasing that, that's where that could be coming from. And the why is because other people talk like that. And it's the way things are structured in your organisation. So there's a good chance there to break the mould of that and say, OK, it might be a grade seven because everyone else calls that. To me, this is what it means to me. And this is why I'm chasing it. So really take a bit of time to grasp yourself. Where do your perceptions of what what people might think of you come from and why? Kerry, uh, Kerry, who the frigging hell's Kerry? Cursed it even. She'll probably kill me for saying that. Cursed it. Uh, talked about this dreadful word in the English language, uh, should, along with but and try, some of the worst words in the English language. They all have a place. They all should be used. We use them in the wrong way and we use them to create barriers. And that shoulds that we put on other people and ourselves need to be challenged. So what do you need to stop shudding about? What are the things that you're saying, I should do this, they should do that, and that you actually need to go and have the conversation, that you actually need to go and do something about? If your feedback often includes things like, you should have done this, you should do that, really challenge yourself to change the articulation of that. You might change it to, okay, if that was to happen again, what what do you think you should do? Or maybe changing it, to actually be clear on this is what you did, why did you do that, and how do you think it comes across to others? So really challenging yourself to think about the language, the vocabulary that you're using, and take a bit of time to think about what do you need to stop shudding about. Uh, what are you hiding from people? Kirsty talks about this in terms of we, we tend to hide things from people, whether that's telling them what we really think or hiding things about ourselves, whether that's mistakes, vulnerabilities, or those things that we have this fear of in terms of should I really tell somebody that this is a mistake I've made or this is what I feel and think and feel about myself and you know just stripping that back to look at what is it that you're hiding with people and conversely what do you need to show to people or what do you need to show more of to the people around you. Uh, thank you so much for listening to this episode. I if you've not taken value from listening to Kirsty Mark then you, you just weren't listening. <laughs> Uh, to me, she had so much value, and I feel very, very lucky that she's taken the time to uh, contribute to this podcast series. So I really hope you've got a lot of value from that. As always, if you haven't done so already, make sure you subscribe at enthusecoaching.com. 
to get the updates on these podcasts, to get lots more resources sent out to you, to get those weekly emails that help you to cut out the corporate bullshit and to help you to break the mold and be your true authentic self. This is episode 11. So this is the penultimate guest episode. So next week, we've got uh, the final guest episode. Uh, the first of these is uh, a run of 12. Uh, and on next week's episode, I hope to know a bit more about what to expect next. So uh, please tune in for that final guest episode in this first run of it. Thank you so much for making it this far, whether this is the first one you've listened to and you're going to go back and listen to others, or maybe you're just simply a fan of Kirsty and you want to listen to this. Great. I'm glad to have you here, whatever the reason is. Maybe somebody's told you about it. Maybe you're starting to work with your teams using the summary sheets and the coaching questions. Whatever reason you're here for, thank you. I appreciate it. Most importantly, remember, it always starts with you. I'll see you back here for the next episode. Keep smiling. Keep being you.